So welcome back to part two here of the episode with Phil Scott. We're going to jump into more of the performance stumbles. We've heard from Phil and his performance strategies around strength and power design within cricket. But now looking at Phil as a practitioner and as a coach, some of the stumbles that he's encountered across his career. So Phil, where are we going to start with this? We'll start relatively lightheartedly, but also with a serious message in there. Um, I guess going back and working in a team sport particularly you've got you're taking a lot of warm-ups and you're you're preparing these guys for games day on day and training day on day week on week throughout Mm -hmm. the year so providing some variety fun stimulation before they they get going is is absolutely key um i wouldn't say it's particularly one of my strengths um it's it's uh but it's something you you have to have in the locker and you know we've Mm. all got some fun stuff to do um, however, in terms of open, honest, and vulnerable, there's been some there's been some um, warm-ups which were were fundamentally awful, and some games that, um, despite I had absolutely had planned them, they just did not work. And mm. and any professional athlete is is usually there for a reason. They're they're usually quite headstrong and very honest and open and with their opinions. And when you've got sixteen to eighteen. Uh, lads voicing their opinion very quickly that this this game isn't working um it it can put you under the pump and under the pressure and uh, under pressure and and to to either try and solve it in the moment um or or i think one thing that you've i've learned to do is is be very honest open name it and own Mm. it if you do that you're gonna you you, i found that um if you go against them you're not gonna win against 16 hot-headed um hot-headed fellas who are who are about to try and um (laughs) compete with fifty thousand people watching so um on that that, then can we get into the details because i think for the listeners you planned things you said but it still didn't work well what what was the reason then was it just the wrong application of the right method well if if i'm being given even more like one way to you you speak to other practitioners you see things and also social media is excellent for these kind of ideas and games and and this particular one I found on social media, and um, it was around the uh, the Noughts and Crosses game, um, like oh, when that, the when races. That, yeah, when that came yeah. out ages ago, and, <laughs> and um, even if you're, you've got a 39 year old athlete, they still want to win at Noughts and, and Crosses. Um, <laughs> but however, I did for some reason it just didn't work. Whether it was my explanation or um, they they start to cheat, that's the other thing. They yes. they push the bound, they cheat all the time. So your rules have to be absolutely spot on. Your um, your everything. There's no no wriggle room because they'll find it. And basically, yeah. I clearly left a bit of wriggle room. And there's two <laughs> there's two players standing in the same square arguing over. I was here first, and then it all descends into absolute chaos. So yeah. the wrong uh, game for the wrong moment mm. with the wrong constraints, yeah. the wrong rules uh, or yeah. unexplained rules. So were you would you admit that you were influenced by social media? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Why not? It's there's so much great stuff out there, but I think it's it's working out um, and not just watching. And you've got to get into the detail of yeah. it as well. Um, what, what what did you learn from that then? Did you, did you learn that? OK, if I'm going to take something new, I'm going to try it with a with like a trial group of players before a certain timing of using it? Like, what did you learn from that process? Uh, I learned the timing's crucial. So, um, yeah, while while other people are watching generally, yeah. uh, the <laughs> first, the first, when to impl- implement this for the first time. Uh, and also the detail. So, you know, in my head, I guess I look back and went, well, Noughts and Cross is really easy. It's just, in my head, just do mm. it. And then 
but I guess you've noughts and crosses on a pen and a paper and your constraint is you've got one pen and you can only go when the next person's gone. Yeah. But when you when you argue asking two players to go at the same time and yeah. they just want physical. to Yeah, they're physical. <clears throat> We've got a non contact sport where these guys can go towards each other pretty quickly. Yeah. So just knowing those constraints um and how it will actually play out in real life and and going through a, a, a even if it's with yourself and your physio yeah. going, right, let's have a quick what could go wrong here. Yeah. Um, and knowing the detail. It brings up a point that I didn't think about when I was in the world of baseball, which was we're in spring training and we're going to re- we're going to introduce a lot of normal things for you and I and other practitioners listening, which is t- running technique or sprint technique work, switches, pogos, um, scissor runs, etc. standard stuff. Um, but actually these players were outside with journalists, video cameras, TV cameras in and around training. And that was a vulnerable place for them. They didn't want to be seen to be uh, unable to do something that a coach could do, but they couldn't. And, I, and actually, we <clears throat> luckily, I, I would have been blindsided by this, but luckily another practitioner said, I'm not sure they're going to love new things like this in front of this these cameras on this day. And so actually, that guy saved me. We actually brought this work indoors, did some work indoors first with these set routines of a, a pogo, scissors, switches. And then took them out for some of the standard stuff where they could look quite quite flowing and natural. Um, and I just think what could have gone wrong there? Uh, quite a lot if I hadn't, well, actually been saved by the person next to me. Yeah. Well, just on, I had exactly the same um, in, in implementing those specific running drills when they came in. You know, the, the lads kind of saved me themselves. I did it once with a player, but he was he was confident enough to try things and not not mm. be too conscious. But the the the, uh, the lads when they saw some of these drills. Um, being done even in the right there like absolutely never will we ever be doing that so don't even think about it um and it actually took three years before um before i was able to get the team to be able to do it publicly and and as a group in warm-up which is a lovely moment because you can kind of give a um a mark on on your journey with them and when i i actually we have we had a photographer that comes around with us a lot and i spoke to gareth and i was like gareth can you i want you to photo this warm-up i want everything Mm. you've got because Amazing. that was a real moment for me. And I was at well, one player that said, I will never, ever, ever do that. He was great at it. He loved it. And I showed him a yeah. photo. He's like, remember that time you never? He's yeah. like, yeah, well, it's normal now. And then that just sounds like a really good awareness of what's possible, a patience in terms of this will just come to fruition at the right time. Let's get this done outside the limelight. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. But going back to that warm up then, <clears throat> in the moment, how did you cope? Were you flustered? Did the players sense it? Did they anchor to that and try and get you more het up and frustrated? Did they yeah, feed the, on the on the mistake? Absolutely, yeah. The adrenaline starts to tick, doesn't it? it starts to, yeah. to to flow. Um, I th- I think that it's, it's, if if there's any argument against them, you are you are wrong. Like I was wrong. Like it was mm. it was rubbish. And recognizing that, I I believe quite quickly. And I, I think I probably even actually held my arms up. I was like. Fellas, this is this is not going well. <laughs> I apologise. We will not be doing Amazing. this again. Um, and as soon as soon as you go towards it and name it, it, it shuts it down. And that generally yeah. is, um, you know, it's a good way to communicate in any relationship yeah. if you I have so. you have to own it. So I, I owned it pretty quickly, but I think it reinforced the owning. So as soon as as soon if there is anything major or minor going forward, um, it was just a real lesson to say stop. This is this is on me. Um, 
I'll be better next time. They like to they like to hear that as well. That that my that my standards will not be like that, fellas. I will make sure it's perfect. And then next time you, you, I introduce something, it went really well. And one or you know, not everyone, not all of them care or notice, but one or two are like, "You, you clawed it back well there, well done." Like, nice. they, they, yeah. You can see it. There's a lot more to be had in in that level of gained respect from adversity by owning a situation than yeah. trying to pretend and fake it like it never happened. So, I mean, going back to earlier in your career, do you, rec- do you remember any opportunity or situations where you just persisted within this mistake as if to to try and cover it up? Um, I don't... Th- I, I, probably, I probably held on to maybe one or two things without, without any necessary examples. But hmm. I think with... Maybe I've been lucky with the, the players I've worked with. They, they, they tell you. So... Um, even if you persist for one more session, you, if you're still get, getting nailed for it, that's what you've got to, you've still got to go to. If you're not going to go towards it, they'll go towards it. Um, I work, uh, working with, um, I guess the, the, yeah, the teams I have done, um, no one's ever going to shy away from that feedback. No. And, yeah. um, and, and I guess it's, if you are going okay, maybe someone isn't saying it, that's why it's always good to check in with coaches or physios yeah. or, your colleagues to say, have you got anything? Did you see anything on that? Do you, uh, yeah. Have you got anything for me? This is what I saw. Did, am I missing anything? Um, that's, that's a really good point. The perspective side of things is that you might not feel it's going badly because maybe it's exactly as you had perceived it, but maybe there's something that on the player level, the sport level, the technical side of things, which is maybe counterintuitive or counterproductive, and you're not aware of it. So that sense checking is really, really useful. I think if I can resonate to your story a little bit, and I'm sure other people listening will as well, is there are times that I've persisted with something just out of ego and 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 being stubborn. And I think there's been this undertone of like, we all know that that wasn't very good, but it hasn't been spoken about publicly. Mm. And I think that does you more damage yeah. than owning it, like you say. So it, just, that, just, Dan, and the other one, Matt, is not just, I mean, the ego is obviously, like persisting with the ego is an obvious one, but I think persisting when things are fine as mm. well is is it, i guess is probably what i was alluding to there like there's probably been some stuff that i've done gone that went well and i was really yeah. pleased with that but the players have been fine with it but not necessarily inspired yeah and so so if the more you can go towards getting away from fine and getting yeah. towards getting getting a reaction out of a player going that was awesome really enjoyed that like that's that's what uh, i guess we should or uh, we should aspire to um as opposed to it went fine and because the, the below that is like you say the ego if i'm not i'm doing this or, 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 well then there's fine and then there's inspiring so if we can mm. shift up towards inspiring then the ego probably never gets involved yeah. and we we stay away from average working away from from the mean and the the, the acceptable and, and looking towards more the um exceptional i think is 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 a, is a lesson there so let's sort of pivot then and and where else in your career have you found that you've had some significant stumbles and that you've you've learned lessons from it and what can we tell our listeners from that lesson a, a big one for me has been well has been me um when i started with england i guess i was re- uh, relatively young and um although i felt confident in my abilities to coach and and um on the field with the players I think being a part of an, a, bit, a bigger MDT for the first time. So we had, you know, I guess what's relatively normal now, and uh, but doctors, psychs, 
um, head of science medicines, national leads, physios, um, nutritionists, all in one room. I went from re working relatively um, on my own with a physio and the occasional doc and the occasional psych um, to having everyone in the room consistently. And a combination of um, being surrounded by experience and some, some, you know, when you've got some incredibly intelligent people like Raf Brandon sitting to your right leading the session and um and years of experience within within a Pete Atkinson or something and and physios have been there for 15 years. It's you kind of kind of you kind of go, I guess that imposter syndrome and and it probably was at the beginning. What can I contribute to those yeah. backing yourself and having confidence? But then my personal preference is naturally is to take a moment, take a situation and then reflect in the car on the way home or in the next hour or um However, that doesn't necessarily lend itself to high performance integrated MDT meetings. Um, and I'm, I'm more, I've got more, I used to have a more of a delayed response. I would be more reflective. Yeah. Reflective than proactive. So yeah. what I guess I've tried to, well, I have, I hopefully have, and, um, colleagues are welcome for the feedback, but I'm, I'm work, I'm continually trying to do is, is being more proactive. Lee, mm. um, well, using experience with proactiveness around around the ideas that you bring to the table, and yeah. and working with colleagues before you get to that table, so that you're already there as as one, as opposed yeah. to um, reactively um, reflective, and um, and it's delayed. I was going to say, digging into then that as somebody listening to you, it sounds like if I was a fly on the wall in those situations, looking back at potential mistakes. They were the fact that you you were absorbing all the information, taking stock and taking time to uh, take on board the the meeting, the detail, and that maybe there was missed opportunities to collaborate, contribute because you were taking that information away to reflect on coming yeah. back at a later date, which wasn't useful for high performance who needed yeah. to work quite quickly. And so, did that come across that people felt that you weren't contributing, that you didn't seem bothered? How did that manifest as like people's perception of you? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, um, exactly. Yeah, that well, definitely. Oh, I wasn't contributing in the moment. I wasn't. Um, mm. I think I I kept some. I kept um, up with them in terms of the the phone calls after, and they go, "This is a good idea. Why didn't you bring it yeah. into the into the at the it, table?" And the funny thing about that is, it's quite anti-performance, right? It's yeah. delaying the situation. Mm. But in your mind, it's just the way that you knew that you preferenced information and. Yeah, and, and 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 so on. But go, think, go on, sorry. Well, and I think um, it, it's not that it's impossible, just because that was my previous preference, it's not that it's possible, uh, impossible mm. to bring that to the table. It's just it needed to shift. I need to be more proactive mm. with my mindset into, okay, this is the meeting, and not turning up to the meeting and being passive and being like, right, what is it? Mm. It's going, well, there's a meeting in a day, two days time, next week. What were my, what were the questions that could come up? What are the, what's the agenda nice. that we know already? Um, what are my thoughts on that? Oh, okay. I could probably speak to the physio about that one. Let's give him a quick call. Do we need to do anything with this? Yes, no. We get to the meeting. Suddenly, you go. Well, we, um, Craig and I have already had our thought uh, discussed this, and we've discussed we've discussed Amazing. these ideas. What does everyone think? Suddenly, it's it's such a more fruitful meeting. Yeah. Um. And and you are co literally contributing. People see you um, uh, participating and active, as opposed to. Um, Phil, you're, you're quite quiet, or has he even got anything in his head? What's he doing? Um, and it, it, it's it's a much more efficient meeting. Yeah. So, I guess in what I guess from all that, I've I, I I've almost got like a bit of um 
a 3D axis that I work on in terms of what mm. am I trying to, um, what are the angles I'm trying to hit? So there's there's either immediate ability to provide um, a contribute or delayed. There's emotional or rational, um, mm. or, and um, you know, can you can you separate the two? Which I think is absolutely massive. Mm. And then contemplative and reactive. And if you can be um, fundamentally proactive. Uh, have some proactive experiential planning that you can bring to the table yeah. versus delayed contemplative planning. It's a, it's a whole different, oh, yeah. it's a whole different ball game for you and your team. So imagine if everyone does that. And I, I definitely didn't at the beginning. If everyone does that, suddenly you're, you, it's, um, it's a whole different experience for everyone. So amazing. Um, what, yeah. what was the catalyst though? What was the catalyst to take you from what you described was happening to this present? repeated consistent approach you just talked about what was the catalyst the catalyst was um three things my mind reflecting knowing that i'm doing this but mm -hmm. i didn't really know how to get out of it um the second thing being raf brandon he was nice. our head of science and medicine and him making a phone call and going towards it which was awesome as a leader because um he didn't phone me up and i've, I've never felt bad about this which is mm. which which shows um maybe the way he communicated it um but and then three what raf did was give me the confidence to go to reflect and then the confidence mm. to go you're here for a reason like mm. back yourself and what can we do about it and and that's what that's when i was you know you start to think about these kind of concepts and what yeah. am i actually doing why am i doing it um and what can you do about it and yeah, from that you you well you yeah. work towards it. it wasn't overnight and it's not overnight no, and it's still now like um, but I was wondering if it was a catalyst that was like a catastrophe and a, a meeting that went awry or people saying that you need to contribute, you know, like a, a bit more of a, a desperate a direction. But sound, you know, I've worked with Raf, he's a fantastic guy and very good on that one-to-one -one practitioner level as well. Did, did anything change in maybe even Raf's or whoever was managing those meetings, forecasting of those meetings? Was it, hey, we're going to be meeting in a week's time, these are the topics, come with your thoughts that enabled you? to come better prepared versus uh uh hey we've got this meeting here this is the topic you know which isn't very easy to prepare for yeah Anything i think there? um i prop i probably put it more on me that the meeting we nice. always know but the meeting's going to be uh the meeting is usually pretty well prepared and um, even as a title we know what we're, and and even there's not a huge agenda you mm -hmm. know what you're going to be talking about nice. like yeah um so no it, it was it was 99.9 percent .9 me going in action going towards that i think having been in i mean everyone's been in a lot of meetings the best meetings for me do have um as much time to prepare as possible if whatever whatever mm. that is at, le at least not on the same day um they have an agenda um and then when you're in when you're in those meetings you're asked to contribute so the leader of that meeting will will mm. go around the table and it and even it, I, I think it's incredible when you're talking on topics that's not your area. And I don't mean like S&C nutrition. I'm talking like on-field sports coaching. Mm. And the, the leader still goes, have you seen anything from your angle? So yeah. um, to be not just asked to contribute, because some people contribute without ask, <laughs> being asked. <laughs> um, and actually, it's controlling that level. Some people naturally sit in a more reserved place and it, it gives you confidence to contribute. But then also to contribute into your area shows a real, you're actioning that people are mm. open 
and um, open to, to to other people's viewpoints, whether it's no. from their discipline or not. And sometimes areas that I've missed have been from the media guy who said, oh, "I was watching this. It was strange. Did this was this supposed to happen?" Or and yeah. and uh, people's different viewpoints and uh, can massively contribute to that. Nice. And a sort of last pivot here as we, as we wrap up. I think one thing. And I, I actually put out a LinkedIn post this morning about it related to injuries and owning that a mistake that I'd made in that sense with an athlete or group of athletes. Is there anything you've come across there? Because I think people can really relate to that. Injuries happen on our what? Is there anything that you can share there from mistakes you've made or lessons you've learned in that area? There's probably like two ends of the spectrum. Specifically mm. within my um, discipline, I think it's it's the volume of work at the That's... right time. Um, which is probably why you know you you end up going towards micro dosing, and you know that's such a big a big piece of what yeah. we do. Um, yeah, the timing of the work and the volume of the work, and then how indivi- different individuals can to- tolerate different levels. Mm. So, so an individual might tolerate this amount of running, this amount of high speed running, this amount of gym work, or whatever. Whereas another athlete is either half or double and they're going, this is easy mm. or this is going, I'm, I'm struggling here. Mm. So understanding that individual response to, to volume and the program um, rather than, guys, this is what we're doing. Why aren't you doing it? You're part of the team. But mm. I think people have got away from that now and understand that you can't just, one, one brush doesn't, you can't, yeah. you can't go across with everyone. Did, did you make that mistake, do you think? Did you, did you work on X's and O's and yeah. numbers and well, thresholds? It, um not i i I'd probably say more that when i started you know this was the the running program everyone's everyone's doing four sets this week or five sets mm. this week and then everyone's coming down whereas some people recovered quicker some people weren't were, were, were already off the edge of the cliff on the on the high yeah. week so um so yeah i followed my x's and o's that i i put to everyone mm. um and absolutely there's moments where you're going Oh God, I hope he's okay. Um, and I hope he gets through and it's touch would be okay, but there's been moments where they're like, I'm so sore or this, I can't do this. And you've had to pull and, and, and nothing. How, how, how have you managed that though? Like, this is really interesting because at that mm. point we can do one or two things. We can go, oh, it's probably because of this or it's be- probably because of that. But d- you know, did, did you or didn't you at any time? own that situation you're like do you know what we probably did too much yesterday is it okay to say that or yeah you know what do you think there? um there's there's probably again there's probably two two angles here i think it's pretty obvious when you've gone way too hard at them and <laughs> so again you have to name it have to own it and again they, they'll keep coming back to you if you've if you take that responsibility go next mm. time we are doing that's your yeah. that's your level um then there's uh, and 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 you you as soon as you own it you you they stick with you 90 percent mm. of the time 99 percent of the time there's there's sometimes where I go I've gone um, I was happy with what we did like you could not have been sore or could not have caused from that session because you walked out and you're bouncing you're fine and everything and I know and then and then like, and you know it gets pushed towards you and then you find out actually they played four hours of squash um, yeah. uh, and you're like okay well then then you've got to have a little conversation around yeah. is that sensible on top of this and all that kind of stuff so yeah. so when it hasn't made sense i i've i guess you if you can stumble across it or dig a bit mm. deeper is what else you, did you do that day because yeah. <laughs> because you know a, a, a two minute plank wasn't going to destroy yeah. you but four yeah. hours of squash can no 100 percent. that's cool it's really really insightful and look, look, thank you so much for 
for sharing to the listeners with with openness and vulnerability in that sense because I, I don't think we do that enough but it's it's probably the fastest and, and best place to learn and and when we can put a little bit of um you know lightheartedness on it like we have done here and, and reflected it, mm. it it makes it all the more useful for us moving forward in terms of like just the listeners and and moving forward if there's one or two last little bits of advice around mistakes what would it be that you would advise those listening to adhere to going back to what we've just, we've said a few times and just mm-hmm. already mentioned is is name it and own it hmm. that's yeah. the that's the big one secondly uh reflect reflect yeah. um as often as you possibly can and and write it down and um leading into that the other one that i i i mentioned quite a bit to people is find a good mentor find a good mm. um mentor reflector someone someone that can can support you that you trust so that they can give honest feedback um mm. and your your comp- and you want it from that person um if you trust and respect them it will work if you don't mm. then and ideally they've got some experience and they're able to do that themselves so um that would be the three pieces that i follow myself um mm. and and if if people like that then great no amazing i think that's that that really comes out as well in the way you speak that the the owning it the clarity of, of of wanting to be open to to mistakes and learning from it but also the fact that we don't have all the answers and we might realize there's some mistakes or not realize there's some mistakes there and only other people's perspectives can enlighten us in that way so look phil just to wrap us up here thank you so much again on behalf of everyone listening uh it's been a fantastic episode and um yeah i look forward to catching up in the near future thanks so much buddy brilliant thank you it's been a pleasure so there we have it, episode three now complete with both the strategy and the stumbles component from Phil Scott. A ton of wisdom shared there, which I hope you can all appreciate. If you're really enjoying the content so far, then please provide feedback. Consider doing a review of the podcast as well on all major platforms. But equally, if you're interested in receiving more advice, more real-world solutions, consider signing up to the Collaborate Sports newsletter, which you can do through the website www.collaboratesports.com. Next week's episode starts to shift towards VBT, where we'll be hearing from Dr. Stephen Thompson in that area, uh, VBT masterclass, so to speak, and then we'll move on to his stumbles the subsequent week. Hope you're enjoying the format so far. Keep listening and look forward to sharing next week's episode with you.